Assalamu alaikum everyone. I hope you guys are doing amazing. Welcome back to another episode. So this episode is one that I have like been trying to film and work on but I just couldn't because it's not like I was generating content for this. I was going through life and learning things and this is how we got here. Um, so I actually have this episode a long time ago, long long time ago I think, that I posted that was like lessons from my teenage diary and I've had that diary since I was like 13, 14, 15, like young. And it still has some pages in it. Slay Diary, Slay. She's doing great. She's holding up really good. It's like the pages in there are infinite. They just don't finish. I think it has like, I don't even know how many it has. It just doesn't finish. Like every time I turn a page, there's another page. So I'm still writing it and I'm 19 now. Well, I'm about to turn 20 soon. But you get my point. Like, hey, it's it's an artifact. Like if I have kids, I'm going to be like, this is an artifact. Okay? This is an artifact. This lived through a lot of time zones and a lot of decades. Y'all don't even know. But that book still has space in it. And I remember I made an episode where I talked about lessons from my teenage diary. And I don't know why that episode did so well. Um, but I had someone message me like a couple weeks ago and they were like, oh my God, look, I'm still re-listening to this episode. Like you need to make another one. And I was like, that's so sweet. But like the thing is, I, ju I can't just like give y'all things. You know what I'm saying? Like whenever I say like life lessons, I don't just throw lessons that I've like heard from other people or I know like I'm telling you things that I've actually been through. So it's been a long time since I think I've refilmed one. Um, so I don't know what exactly I'm going to call this. I don't know if I'm going to call this life lessons I've learned being 19 or life lessons that I've learned in 2023 because right when it's the new year, it's that around that same time is also my birthday. I don't celebrate either, but it's really interesting because then it's like, you know, new year, new age, and it kind of just goes together every time. So let's call it a mumble jumble mix of both. And so the lessons that I'm gonna share with you, some of them are really, really dark. And then some of them are a lot more lighthearted. Um, if there's a trigger warning, I'll try my best to put it. Sometimes when I edit my episodes, I don't like get to rehear and, you know, put it right when I'm post posting it. Um, so just be careful for that. Um, inshallah i will i'm gonna try my best to keep this lighthearted. but you guys know my episodes always somehow get deep so i have a whole list of things that i've written in here and i hope that inshallah something among these lines can speak to you in your journey and where you are in life right now i'm gonna start off with number one which is going to be a little bit surface level but you're gonna see why i started here and before I dive into everything that I learned, I want to take a moment to say that I know that the things that I talk about, the things that I complain about, are the things that I go through and I feel like y'all already know where I'm going, is a blessing. I think it's a blessing to be able to sit here and say these were my biggest concerns. I think we all see what's going around in the world, um, not even just now, just always. There's always something going around and it's so sad to see... Just, it's so sad to see it like that we're so privileged yet we have the most to complain about. But there's so many people that don't even have a quarter of the things that we have and they're happy. And so I always try my best to be mindful of that, which is why I'm always really hesitant to talk about things like this. Because I know like, you know, life's hard, you know, get a grip, you'll be fine. Like people have it worse. I know all that. Um, and I'm well aware of that. And if you follow um, my Instagram broadcast channel where I leave like daily voice notes, I have had some voice notes where I've talked about that. But that doesn't go to say that you should deem whatever you feel unnecessary because then you're going to continue to go on in life and never feel like anything is important because well people have it worse that's true people do have it worse but that doesn't mean what you feel is not important right and that's also one of the lessons that i learned but i'm going to start off here with number one which again is a privilege i know that discussing this is a privilege i know that th there's a lot of people who don't have the same opportunities i'm well aware of that but um for the people that kind of are in the same boat i hope that this can help you number one okay ready ready number one it's absolutely okay to decide over time that the career path you picked originally might not be something you want to do. 
You shouldn't feel pressure to continue to do it because of others' expectations or because you feel like you're too deep in. So let's talk about this. So I already know that just talking about this is a privilege and I don't want to sound entitled or like a brat the entire time I talk about this, but it kind of starts here. Um, the life lessons and the things that I'm going to talk about right now and just in this episode are things that I, I can share. There's a lot of things that I can't share and that's just for privacy reasons. Um, so this one, it sounds pretty surface level, but I feel like I can't tell you the toll that it took on me for lots of reasons. So... A couple of months ago, I slowly started to realize that what I had originally seen myself doing was something I just, I feel like it was something that as I grew older and as days went by and as weeks went by, like as time went by, that I was kind of like, how bad do I want this? You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. Like, we all have things that we're passionate about or things that we're like, I want to do this. And then I was, and I am. I still do love it. But I came to a term where I was just kind of like, mm, mm. I started weighing out my pros and cons. Let's just say that. Um, and I think that one of the other things that I've really learned a lot, especially growing up um, now, obviously I'm not an elderly, but just, you know, getting older every day is I want to understand to my best degree what my future is going to look like five years from now in what is in my hands, if Allah allows me to see that. And I'm not talking about vague. I'm not talking about, you know, I want to be, you know, have this career, maybe have a job, some nice money in a home. No, what career? What job? What home? Do you want to have kids? Do you want to have kids by then? Do you want to be married? Like, like literal questions, like timelines, like think, think, think about it. And I'm not saying that I like to bound myself to a timeline. I always tell people, don't bound yourself to your own timeline because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has its own timeline for you. Don't get attached to your timeline. But like, I started to just think about it more. I think the other thing is as you grow older and you learn more about all the beautiful and righteous, pious women that came before us, whether it was the prophet's wives, um, whether it was just other, you know, noble women that came before us. Um, and then you learn more about your role as a Muslim woman and what is expected out of you um, within a family setting, within, you know, you, your own personal life, within the duties that you have to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like the things that you have to do. I guess like as I started learning more and more and more about this, I feel like it kind of started to make me question if I wanted to do what I originally started. Now, what I originally picked was not haram and there was nothing wrong with it, but I feel like it wasn't necessarily speaking to me and where I wanted to go in life. The other big thing that really was a con for me was how long the schooling was. And I started to think, I'm like seven years of schooling. Like, that's a lot. Like, you know, I'm just not. Like, it's just like, I just feel like I'm one of those people. And I always like to say this, you know, I remember one time I was talking to my boss at work and she said to me, you know, there's a lot of people that they go to school for 10, 20 years, back to back to back. And then they work and they realize that they have no life experiences. Like they have nothing. They have no stories. They have nothing exciting in their life. And I feel like I'm just such a person that I love life experiences. I love people. I love, I sound like an introvert's worst nightmare right now. <laughs> I love people. I love being with people. I love, I just love human beings. I love feelings. I love emotions. I love, I just love love people like I love stories I love experiencing life I love having memories with people like I'm a really big people's person right and like I just I love the feeling 
of having good people around me. And I'm not saying that going to school for a long time isn't something that can have that, right? But I'm just saying whenever I think about like my timeline or at least what I feel like I want for myself, I just, I started to grow a little bit of a step back from it for various reasons. Um, this wasn't the only reason. Again, there's some personal reasons that I can't share. But I started to take a step back from it and I was like, okay, should I change my mind? Should I do something else? And I was like, no, there's no way. Like I'm too deep in, like, you know, I already did this and this and this and it's like, I can't change. And so it just got significantly harder. And I, I'm a firm believer that when you are forcing yourself to do something you don't necessarily want to do, you're not going to be able to bring results in it. Write that down right, right on your forehead if you don't believe me. I will prove you wrong in two to three years, in any years, in six months if you don't believe me. Whatever time frame you want to bet on that, put it. Because I'm telling you for a fact. Well, not betting because you know. But I'm, put, I'm telling you for a fact. If you try to make yourself do something that you don't want to do, it's usually not going to end well. You're usually not going to be successful. You're not going to do as great. And you can say that that's what started happening to me. It just felt like a burden. It felt annoying. It felt redundant. It felt like I didn't want to do it. I felt like I'm so teed in. And you know how people say, you know, when you climb half the mountain and you look down, you made it this whole way and the peak is right there. Why, you know, why go back down? It costs so much to go back down. And so that was kind of my mindset. And I was like, look, I already made it. Here are you just being a little bit dramatic, you know, just being a little bit hormonal. Is your period coming? Are you sad? Are you mad? But no, like it wasn't. Like the first few times I started feeling these weights, I thought it was like, you know, my period's coming. Oh, it's coming. No, no, no. And then it started going on. And I was like, okay, I got to stop generalizing my feelings because I think my period's coming. All the girls know that we do this at least once a month. We're like, mm, crying. We're like, oh, I just, I think my period's coming. But I started to realize that I was really unhappy. And one night, I had a sheikh ask me this question. I was talking to him about something. And he says to me, I told him, like, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be and whatever's going on. And he says to me, is this what you want to do? Like, this is what you want to be? And I couldn't give him a yes or no answer. Like, I started just waffling. I was like, you know, like, sheikh, let me tell you. Like, it's a little complicated. Like, you know, like, I'm just kind of, like, here. But, like, I kind of feel this. And he's just like, I don't think that you should do this if you don't sound so confident. Like, I don't think you're happy. And then I was like, and it kind of hit me that day. That like anytime anyone asks me like, hey, do you like this? Do you want to do this? Don't get me wrong. I loved it. I like it. I still like it. But when it came to going forth with it, I feel like people have been in the same boat as me will get it. Like going forth with it, it just became a whole lot of, mm, yes, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> this is why, this is why, this is why. And like I started to notice that a lot of my fears and a lot of other people's expectations were literally shining out whenever I had to answer, do I want to do this? Whether that was the fact that, you know, maybe my family wanted me to get a certain level of education, whether that was my friends thought that this was this, whether that was, you know, whatever it is, the cumulative opinion people might have, whether that was the pressure that I placed on myself that might have came from me from a childhood that long, long time ago that I probably just didn't break out of. I started to notice that I was talking with my fears and not talking with my passion, not talking with what I wanted to do. I started to notice that I was making decisions because I wanted to prevent myself from being in the fear of being dependent on somebody, reliable on somebody, um, financially dependent on somebody. And I just realized that it's just like not right. So the next day, I didn't think much about it. I went to bed. I woke up the next day. And I was sitting there in school trying to do my work. And like I said, when you just don't like it, you're just not going to go far. And I just was like near tears. And I was hanging out with one of my friends. And she's like, Here, I feel like you know what you want to do. You're just not doing it. And I knew what I wanted to do. So that same exact day, 
I went and changed my entire career path. And what I told myself in that moment was I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm doing it. Until this day, like I haven't ever been open about what I do and what I don't do. And even with some of my family, I haven't. The reason why I think it's so important sometimes to make decisions and not tell people is because people love to give their outsider opinions. I have too many outside opinions in my life and I, I love them. Don't get me wrong. I take opinions by people I love. But there's some things that you got to do for you without what, without what other people think. And so that's what I did. I did it. And then everybody was like, you know, my close family, obviously, was like, oh, we don't know how we feel about this. Or, you know, some of my very, very close friends um, were like, mm, that's a really draining career. It's really, really hard. The education is really, really hard. Like, it's going to be hard. You're going to have no life for the upcoming few years. Like, you know, how are you going to manage this? Like, you know, we're always told that when you're entering this program, like, don't get into relationships, don't have kids, don't get married, don't even like anybody, because if you get your heart broken, there's too much emotional stress with what you're studying, um, and you need to be very, very big on your emotional bandwidth, because, you know, just seeing people die, seeing whatever happens, like, you need to be very, very ready, and I was just kind of like, I, I heard all those things, but I feel like, you know, when you know you want to do something, you want to do it type thing, a lot of reasons that go behind it, and so I went for it. And one of the things that I would tell people that are in similar positions is this. At times, you might be halfway on a mountain and look up and see the peak and see that you, if you put a little bit more effort, you might make it. And you also see that down below, going all the way back down is going to take a lot of effort. But one of the things that I've learned in my life that I'm going to tell y'all is when you want to do something, you can delay it, but you're going to come back to it somehow. So you can decide that you want to climb up to the top of this mountain, but you're always going to keep looking down and wondering, what if I just turned around? What if I just tried? What if I just put some energy to this? No matter what people say, no matter how hard people might say this thing is, no matter how hard people might say, no matter how competitive it might be, why don't I just try it? Why don't I just turn around? And you know, I always think that, I, I used to hear this growing up and I disagreed with it, but now that I'm older, I feel like I kind of get it. If you're not going to make the decisions that you want to make and do the things that you feel like your heart is at in your 20s, then when are you going to do them? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that if you pass your 20s, you can't. Never too late. But you know what I'm saying? Like, especially for, like, my age or just, you know, in your early 20s, like, even in your late 20s. It don't matter. Life don't got a number. You can have fun whenever. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you if you pressurize yourself so much with these expectations that this is how life is supposed to be and this is your timeline and you're supposed to be all like this and perfect and have it all together. Like, you know, if you're not going to try out what you want to try out now because of other people's expectations or fears or you're going to hold back yourself from doing what you want to do because, you you know this makes my parents happy i don't want to do this because it makes my parents happy you're always going to think about what you left always <clears throat> always always i was talking with my friend and i was like you know being the one that just mm, this is gonna sound toxic but you know i was talking with my friends and i said to her that sometimes we always ponder and think about the things that left us or that we don't do because we have a certain level of expectation and certain level of fantasy attached to it and there's nothing wrong with that but that's why i believe if it's a good thing and you know like you wait out your pros and cons there's nothing wrong with trying there's nothing wrong with trying new things and trying the things that you're scared of doing but the real reason why this was one of my first ones is because it, it was never this easy. It was never just, oh, I wanted to do this. Let's go do it. Because there was a lot that went behind it. So when I, so when I started to realize initially that I didn't want to, you know, do what I was doing, I got real with myself and I talked to myself and I decided that I wanted to change my career paths and whatever in, thir in third. But 
in the moment, like now that I'm out of it, it's always easy to talk about things when you're out of it. Because like you have an armor shield you made out. You're like, okay. But in the moment, it was such a heavy decision. And it came with so many responsibilities from like very vigorous competitive entrance exams and like very, very heavy load of classwork. And so for nearly nine hours a day, for the past maybe eight to nine months, I studied every day for nearly nine hours. I also worked four jobs and all the jobs are something I loved. So I never thought about quitting them. I loved all of them. They were genuinely not, you know, anything bad. Um, and while I was happy with my decision, the journey felt so hard. And at times I felt like I was just spiraling and disconnecting from reality. You know, like if you're spending nine hours a day in your basement for eight to nine months every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, no days off. When I used to come home, I used to work. When I used to wake up, I used to work. When I used to be literally like anywhere, I would be working. And that takes a toll on somebody because too much of anything is not good for you. And, but I, it was also came to a point where people used to tell me like, you know, empty your plate. But like people didn't understand that I had nothing else that I could empty. Like I physically couldn't. It was hard for me at that time. And so I just started to feel really disconnected from reality. And it was hard. It was a hard time. And I feel like it was because I wasn't getting a break and I was living so much in my own head and so much in my own just my own world and my own tension and my own, you know, worries about this and this and this and of course personal stuff and then dealing with how competitive it is and it was just, it was hard and I feel like it became really harder when I used to look around at some of the people around me and I used to just look at some of the, you know, the work that we had to do and we had people tell us very clearly that like, it's not for the week, so you might start, but we don't guarantee that you'll finish. And I guess if I had to give it a rough percentage, I saw like 15% of the people that studied with me leave. Um, and that was because I remember this one girl that I, was, that I was talking to, so many of them struggled with suicidal ideation. And it just became harder and harder to deal with such demanding and just emotional, just emotional work that like required you to give so much of yourself every day. You know what I'm saying? So obviously that was all a little bit hard and, you know, just life outside of that, um, work, family, life, personal stuff. It just, it became a bit much. Um, and I think anybody who would be working, you know, nine hours a day in their basement just for school and then having all these other things would probably start to feel a little crazy because that's how I was feeling. Nonetheless, I feel like throughout all of it, like I remembered that like, it's a blessing to have half of these concerns and alhamdulillah in the end like I know and even now like things are fine but in the moment like sometimes you do have to put a lot of work but you remember that like Allah's gonna help you. The second lesson that I want to share that kind of branches off from this time frame was kind of this one time when my mom said to me doing too many things leaves most things undone. So when I got out of my Ijazat course classes, like I used to get out of my classes, right? Um, I often kind of just felt a little bit overwhelmed with everything going on. And my teacher, mashallah, was a very knowledgeable lady. She studied in Syria for, I think, 10 years. And she went 
to Egypt and she got a bunch of Islamic degrees and Ijazat from, you know, different places. And then she taught in Nigeria. And she was really knowledgeable. She slayed, I'm not gonna lie. And she just, her recitation, everything about her, she she slayed. She slayed, okay? Um, and so anytime I had to, like, recite in front of her, like, I was just like, mm, no words. Like, I was just so nervous. Because growing up, like, you know, I've been, I've been told that my recitation, everything, that is good. But, like... Reciting in front of her was like a different level. And I remember when I was picking out like who I wanted to learn with, I specifically picked her. And I knew that she was a really hard and strict teacher. I knew she'd be like the type of teacher that's like, mm, why'd you end your letter like that? Why'd you breathe like that? And I wanted that. Like I wanted somebody to like challenge me. But at the same time, I kind of got a little bit overwhelming with everything going on in my life. And I remember my mom, she one time said this thing to me. And she said to me that doing too many things leaves most things undone. And I feel like this was one of the most important things that I could share with everyone. At, at this point, I feel like since I was so overwhelmed, I ended up quitting one of my jobs. Like literally right after she told me this. Um, but I feel like that lesson and just those words, I always remember them. And I remember them in everything that I do. Even now when you're out of it or even for my future, like I feel like you know, like there's okay, it's okay if you have goals and stuff that you want to accomplish and things you want to do, but understand that there's a time for everything and, you know, delegate that time and be a little bit intentional with also making time for yourself. I remember I had a friend, story time. I had a friend who was taking a bunch of classes um, and then she was also gonna think of working a job and so she had this job but she was like thinking of scheduling more days and so she's younger than me by like a lot <laughs> and she was just asking me and she was like what do you think like do you think I should schedule myself for those days and I was like I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that you should work the days that you're working right now. She used to just work weekends but she used to like work the entire week the entire day um and so like i think you should just work on the weekends i don't think that you should like force yourself to work during the weekdays or whatever and at the same time she like was thinking of joining like some different sports and clubs and whatever and so she was just asking me her opinion and i was like i don't think there's anything wrong like if you want to pick up and do these things do these things but what you need to make sure you do is purposely leave a good chunk of your week or evenings or whatever empty like, don't plan anything because life will naturally bring things. Naturally, on a Wednesday night, maybe your mom's going to need you to go do something for her. So then, you know, your Wednesday evening that you thought was free is going to get taken up by that. And that's not a problem, right? Living with people and just in general, you have to be flexible. But that's why we have more time slots. You get my point? You make time slots because as the year goes on, as the semester goes on, naturally things are going to come in. Whether that's the fact that you took a course and, you know, okay, that course was super easy. So you think, oh, I can just double up, take more classes next time. It's going to be fine. And then as you get to the sphere of things, you realize, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. And I don't have any time. Or it's you overscheduling yourself at work because you're like, okay, well, I can do all of this. It's going to be fine. And then you start to realize that like, oh, this is my one evening off and I have to go to work. You know what I'm saying? Then naturally it's just like you. I feel like I always tell people this. You need to intentionally leave certain days certain evenings certain mornings blank because life is unfortunately this way that something's gonna come up one way or another and so here again like i'd like to say the thing that doing too many things leaves most things undone so if you're just giving bits and bits and bits of yourself to places but you're not giving holes you're just gonna get bits and bits and bits of results and so that was something that i really had to tell myself often that like i had to ground myself back and be like hold on um 
if I'm not giving my best to this, what can I do to give my best? And if that looks like eliminating something out of my schedule, if that looks like taking out something, then that's something that I should think about. BTW, this EP is going to take like a little bit more of a darker twist as we keep going. We're just kind of starting off light. It's a mix of like light lessons and like heavier ones. The next one is, I think, kind of light, but not really. It just depends on how you view things, okay? Number three, basic, but I just want to talk about this one. Being stressed out about things won't change how things are meant to happen. If your biggest fear happens, Allah will help you cross the bridge and you will be okay. This was something that I told myself every morning when I used to wake up. Like clockwork. Like this was like brush my teeth, Hera, you're gonna be okay type of thing. Like I always had to tell myself this. And it was because at this time I had so many fears. I had so many fears of being unsuccessful. I had so many fears of putting in this work and not being as successful as I thought I would be. I had so many fears of what would happen two, three years to me down the line or so many fears in my relationships that I realized that I unintentionally was worshiping my fears. I made moves in ways that prevented me and protected me from my fears and I didn't like that I don't like obviously to worship anything but God but you know what I mean like I didn't like to live my life in a way where I subconsciously put myself in a box because I thought that if I go outside this box my fears are there and I won't be able to handle them and so I used to tell myself and as sad and deep as this might get trigger warning I used to tell myself I'm 19 now right and I always say to people that the hardest time I ever spent in my life was actually in my early teens when I was very, very suicidal. And it's so weird because you think that, you know, what happens to you in your preteens or, you know, when you're younger, like, it's just like, oh, a phase. And you'll be like, oh, like, as you grow older, you see harder times. And you'll be like, oh, that was nothing. But whenever I look at my life, I look back at that time and I say to myself that the most successful thing that I have in my life is the fact that Allah gave me a second chance. I don't need, I don't need a worldly standard to tell me I'm successful. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saw something in me, and again, I'm not saying this because I'm like, you know, a whole lot in the bag of chips. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? Like if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saw something in someone who didn't want to be here and he just helped them. And then I, I always think about that and I'm like, that is my greatest testimony that's like my greatest thing ever and so now when i see like hard times or i have fears or i'm like wondering like will i be unsuccessful or successful i always remind myself that when little naive me didn't know much better but just knew that she didn't want to be here could get out of something like that obviously because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed it I have no say in how I'm here today I really don't um Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who was kind enough to allow it but um and of course I always say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved my life but I just feel like if I got through that then it's gonna be fine like there's really nothing harder I think in my opinion than suicidal ideation than not wanting to be here and I'll never forget this one day I took a really big exam and I was so stressed out after this exam. It was a five-hour exam, okay? Constant. And it was Saturday. I took a five-hour exam. And it felt like my entire brain just shut down. And after the screen shut off and I submitted my exam, I just started bawling my eyes out and crying. And then I was it was such a weird emotion. Because it, it, I wasn't sad. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy to get over with. I wasn't sad about anything. Like, I just started to cry. And I feel like it was because I was studying for this exam for so many months that when I finally took it, I was like, oh my god, thank god. Or I was just like really stressed. Or I was like worried, like, well, how am I going to do on it? Like, I just had so many emotions 
emotions until this very day I can't exactly tell you what I felt and to be quite frank sometimes I don't force myself to put words to what I feel sometimes I feel like you feel things you don't have to categorize them you let them flow and I just started to cry and I felt so sad and I felt so overwhelmed and it just felt like I was just tired like you know when you just physically don't want to do anything anymore and then you have to continue living your own life and continue to do all these tasks and whatever and it's like again alhamdulillah is a blessing but it put me in this vicious cycle of being being like I, I can't feel these ways because I have so much to be grateful for why am I feeling guilt why am I feeling exhaustion when people in the world have it way worse than me and it became a very vicious cycle and I remember one night I was talking to the same chick that I talked about my life decisions with um, and he says to me that Sometimes you should step back and do less things. That doesn't mean that you're lazy. That doesn't mean you should feel guilty for leaving them. You need to understand that if you don't take care of yourself, like it's just not going to get any better. And he was really right on that. And I remember that same day, and the reason why I'm mentioning this one in specific, this part in specific, around this time, I kind of grew distant from so many of my friends because I just couldn't have time. Like, even if they invited me to plans, like, I couldn't go. Even if they texted me, I was, like, it was so horrible. Like, I used to send out that one message every two weeks. Hey, guys, so sorry for not, you know, texting back. And it just became a thing where a lot of my friends started to distance from me. And I feel like it was really hard because I noticed it and I wanted to do something about it. But when you're too busy just trying to handle life and low-key you know, battle the fact that maybe, maybe, maybe you're heading towards a path that you don't want to in terms of like being depressed and stuff. Like just, just feeling those feelings or living and thinking about the time that you struggled with, you know, SI. Like it's just one of those things like just in your own head that it's like you notice the people that leave, but it's like I barely have any effort for myself. What am I going to do to chase you? You get what I'm saying? And so it was like I noticed those things and it really, really hurt me because I feel like so many times in my life I've when I've needed people most, they've always left. Now, don't get me wrong. I have had people that stayed. And I remember that there's one of my friends. I actually had a podcast episode with her. Um, she's like, I love her. Um, and I remember that at this time, she used to like force me. She used to be like, you're going to come out with me today. We're going to go out to dinner. We're going to go out here. We're going to go out here. We're going to do this. And she was like the one person that like understood that I wasn't really completely me and I was stressed out on living in my head. And what was so wholesome was she never really understood what I was studying. And so, but she used to just try. She used to just be there just for me to like, you know, make like lab practical videos on her. She used to just try. Like she used to just be there with me. And it was one of the most wholesome feelings because like, since I feel like it's so hard to trust people, me personally it's really hard for me to trust people i feel like after a really long time like i was able to open up to somebody and just talk to somebody and trust her and i love her mila mila keep it this way i mean but um i just i i loved her i love her i still love her so much and you know every day like i think about it and i think that my baraka and my risk sometimes came in people and I always think of her and I'm like she's my greatest testament of that I remember that same day when I took that five-hour exam and I was literally bawling my eyes out she texts me she goes hey girl we're going out this evening I'm like no we're not you don't understand you don't understand I'm crying she's like get out of your basement get ready we're going out and so we went out that evening and it was really fun and it was like one of the most memorable evenings we had and we just, like, it was so wholesome. It was such a fun evening. And I remember a conversation that I had with her in the car, which is going to be my fourth lesson, I believe, that I'm going to talk to you guys about right now. I said to her, don't you think that at times we say that we're not attached to this dunya, but we are because we're so attached to this idea 
of what we think our life should look like. Whether that's like career, money, salary, who you're going to marry, how you're going to marry, you know, your, your living situation. Like, don't you think that we say that we're not obsessed with like cars and money and, you know, house and wealth, but we're so deeply obsessed with this version of ourselves that we just are dying to obtain in this life that we forget that we're actually getting attached to this life. And I feel like that's when it really hit me. Like, a lot of times we say we're not attached to this worldly life. We say that we're not attached to things in this world. You might not be attached to, you know, beautiful cars and big homes or whatever, but you're so deeply attached to this version of yourself that you think that you should be this best version of yourself that you would just sacrifice anything and everything for that you feel so stressed out for. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with having like a good version of yourself and working towards that. But I feel like it really hit me that we are so attached to what we think we should be in this life that so many times we forget that we might not even get there. So it's like while your attachment might not be to worldly things, to items, you have an attachment to this identity that you believe that you should become. And if you don't become that or you go a little bit different than what you thought, then it's like your whole world is breaking down. And I feel like that's when it really hit me that like in one way or another, I am attached. I'm attached to this idea of this dream version of me that I'm going to be, how successful I'll be, what type of kids I'll have, how many kids I'll have, who I'm going to marry, what am I going to do? Like just what type of house am I going to have? What type of career am I going to have? Like attached to this version and this idea of me that isn't with me right now. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with having goals and working towards that. But when it comes to a point where you just feel so substantially less broken and just defeated when things don't work in that way, it's really important to remind yourself that attachment doesn't always look like items. It sometimes looks like that. And that's something you have to get rid of too. Which is why I always say, don't bind yourself to a timeline, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I, for my, me me personally, like I mentioned in this podcast, I was a little bit specific about my goals and what I wanted to do. But I feel like one of the things I always tell myself whenever I plan, of course, Allah SWT is the best of planners, but I always tell myself don't get too addicted or attached to any timeline, to any person, to any career. Okay, at the end of the day, what do you want? You want a job that's going to make you good money, a good career, a stable career. Maybe you're not going to get the one that you wanted, but Allah SWT is going to get you that same goal. Maybe you want to marry a specific person and they have these characteristics in them. Maybe you're not going to be able to marry that person, but Allah SWT will let you, let you marry someone who has those characteristics and someone who's better. You know what I'm saying? Like in every single way, you can have a timeline and have an idea and outline of what you want, but you shouldn't get so consumed that it should happen this way or no way, highway or my way, no way. Like you should, it, let's not fall on that because then you get so attached to this outline that you have made, forgetting that we don't control anything. We don't. Like we can try our best. That can help maybe a little bit, right? And that's our job. Part of Tokal is trying your best, but like after that point, like what can I physically do? And even me trying my best is because Allah allowed it to me. If I'm trying my best using my hands, my legs, walking, waking up, doing this, it's because He allowed me to. Otherwise, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala could just will that I don't wake up next morning and I don't wake up. That's it. Uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala can will that you know, God forbid something happens and I just can't do whatever I thought I was gonna do. You know what I'm saying? Like you just can't physically do it. Our limbs move because of the permission of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And so in one way or another, yeah, you can try, but we're not in control of anything. We're not even in control of our own body. We don't control how our heart pumps. We don't control any of our digestion. We, we don't control anything. 
We really don't. And so for you to get so consumed and stuck up into a timeline that you just think it has to happen this exact way or no way, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of an outline, a little bit of idea of like, okay, this is what I want. This is the goal. This is the goal. This is the goal. But be flexible and be open to the fact that it might not look the same way you want it to look. And like I said initially in the beginning of this lesson, being stressed out about these things is really not going to change how they're going to happen, right? You can be stressed out about it, but that's not going to change how things are going to happen. That's not going to change what Allah has, you know, it's not going to change what's written for you, right? You're just going to lose sleep. You're going to be stressed out about it. You're going to think about it. You're going to dissociate from reality about it. You're just going to be not so present in your current moment with your friends and your family and whatever's going on for you about it. You're not going to be paying attention to the fact that so many of your du'as right now are getting answered because you're just too busy stressing about it. You're just going to, you know, have an unhealthy diet, not take care of yourself, not work out, be unproductive. You're just going to go down this whole spiral or the complete opposite where you're going to be hyperproductive just to avoid it. Like it's not doing anything. It's not doing anything. Stressing about it's not doing anything. You can think about it. And you know what? I'm going to tell you one thing. Another lesson that I learned. I'll make this lesson five. Checkmate me. Is this four? Five. Four. Five. What does my gut say? Okay, gut, give me a vibe. We'll find out if I'm right when I'm editing. Give me a vibe. Um, should I trust my gut? My gut says this is four. I feel like when I'm editing this and I hear that if I'm wrong, look, we're all going to go about this like nothing's going to happen, okay? Because three was being stressed about things don't don't change anything, okay? Four, we're going to go with four. Um, you really, at times, when you face situations where you don't know what to do, you don't know what decision to make, and you've thought about it for a really long time, I'm going to tell you something that I think is really important that I learned. I've had some situations in my life where I've thought about them every day for months and months and months and months. Like every day. And I was like, what do I want to do? What do I not want to do? Do I want to do something? Do I not want to do anything? And every single day ended up in the same notion where I said to myself, Hero, when that day comes, we'll see that. Because I don't know now. And in those days, it accumulated to nearly seven to eight months. And I didn't know what I wanted to do about some stuff. And... When that day came, I was like, shoot, now I got to make a decision. And I was just like, I don't know. And you know what I realized is sometimes you can think about things as much as you want to, but that doesn't mean it's going to give you a solution. And that's sometimes what I tell like my friends. Like sometimes when we're really hung up on something or stuck up on something, like you just can't move on from it. And you want to over-evaluate a situation, over-evaluate the way that someone acted, over-evaluate the way that someone treated you. Like you just want to over-evaluate something. The big thing that I tell myself is how long have you been thinking about it? If you've been thinking about it for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you know, month, two months, three months, five months, seven months, like maybe even a year. I know some people who've thought about some stuff, who've overvaluated, you know, relationships or relationships breaking off or stuff for years. And they're just like, well, I just don't feel like I know what I want to do. Well, let's be honest. Is there even anything more to think about? And that's something that I always tell my friends. I'm like, is there really something else to think about? Like you, we've thought about everything. We've thought about the worst possible outcome. We thought about the best possible outcome. We've thought about what we thought this specific action meant. We thought about what we thought that specific action meant. Like we've, we've evaluated every single notion of this interaction that you might've had with this person. Like we've evaluated everything. What else is there to think about? It's really comfortable and it's really easy to just think about life, to just think about the bad things that have happened to you. And once you start that cycle, you just don't stop. You just keep looping and looping and looping. And that's exactly like one of the big things that I always try to tell myself. If you're mad at somebody, like, okay, you, you're mad at how someone hurt you or you're mad at what they did. Is thinking about it every day for the next two years going to change what happened? No, it's not. And it's not going to change whether they're apologetic or not. 
But you're just going to keep trying to view things from different angles. And I feel like that's the problem, especially with girls. We view things from, like, 25 different angles. You know, above, down below, from the side, transversal, you know, a little bit duck down, a little bit from this side. Y'all just want to see things from a thousand angles, and I get it. Guilty as charged. Like, us girls, we just want to view everything from a different angle and be like, what did that mean, though? You know, like, we just want to evaluate it, and I get it. But it's also kind of like we're not getting anywhere. Our outcome is the same. Our results are the same. Our thought patterns are lead us to where we are right now like sometimes number four this, this is like my like i mentioned this is my lesson there's really not a lot to think about that's that's the big one that i want you to take here from number four sometimes there's really nothing to think about your mind might tell you that oh look let's ponder on this are you really healed let's think about it there's nothing to think about i get it don't get me wrong when stuff initially happens yes you think about things you think about what went wrong what can i do better da, da, da. You, you know we all kind of view things from a thousand different angles but then like when time goes by and you've thought about everything and the situation's been done dusted in the past it's like what are you gonna think about what can we think about? Okay, we're going to think about how this person did us dirty. Okay, now we thought about it for like an hour or two. Now what? We're at the same place. Same place. And sometimes, one of the things, again, that I learned under this lesson, healing requires you sometimes to not think about it. And I know that this might sound a little bit controversial, and I'll explain a little bit why. I think with healing, it's really important to think about things, right? Yes, I always say that it's important to think about things. You shouldn't run away from them. You should address when you feel something, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But after you've addressed it, after you've thought about it for months ongoing, you've journaled about it, you've vented about it, you wrote about it, you've screamed your head off about it, right? You've done everything. And I'm not saying once. I mean like two, three, four times. It's been a year or, you know, 10 months, eight months or whatever it gets. I mean, depending on the severity of the situation, of course. But it's been a lengthy period of time, Right? Like, sometimes you just gotta be like, I, this is not worth me thinking about. And I get it that people might disagree with me, but sometimes when we think about things over and over and over and over again, and we relive them over and over and over again, we're being a hindrance from us being able to move on. And if I sit here and I constantly think about this thing over and over again, I live that same day every day, I'm not gonna get any better. Now, again, I'm not saying to not think about it, because I know for me, like, there's been some things that I thought about for seven months straight every day, and I was like, how could I? Or you know what? That made me mad. Or you know what? That made me sad. Like, I've thought about so many things. And some days, the only thing I did was think. And now that I feel like I'm out of so many different situations, I think about it, I'm like, thinking about this is not productive. I get it that you feel like you have a sense of control or you feel like you're understanding why things happened the way that they did when you constantly think about it because you feel like you have some type of control of the situation. But babes, you really don't. You really don't. Okay, thinking about something relentlessly is just going to ruin your thought pattern. You're just going to feel stressed out. You're going to hinder yourself from healing. Think about as much as you need to think about it and then wrap it up. There's only so much that you can view things from different angles. This leads me to my fifth lesson, which is this one. Perhaps our biggest worries isn't really our worry, but how big we make them out to be. And this was really important. It's important to remember that two things can exist at once. You can feel blessed and you can feel very stressed. You can feel happy and feel sad about some things. You shouldn't force yourself to feel one emotion or categorize yourself in one box when you might have different feelings and different emotions running through you. But you need to understand that at times our biggest worry isn't really the worry within itself but it's how big we make it in our head you know that saying that's like oh you suffer more in your head and you suffer more in your imagination than in real life or like you suffer more in your head than in real life it goes among both ways and i feel like that's really true because sometimes when you look at the actual situation you say okay look this is what i'm stressed out about this is my worry 
How big is it? Well, guess what? We can scale out anywhere to be really big if we want it to be. Let's say theoretically, okay, I like broke a cup today, okay? A cup broke. I broke a cup today. I can scale out this worry and just make it humongous. I can just think about it, cry about it, be dramatic about it. I can just scale out this entire worry. How big of a deal is it? It's not that big of a deal, right? And then there's some things in life coming to a more realistic example. Okay, you have an exam. You have stressed out from school. You have some things on your plate. Whatever's going on, right? And you're confused what you want to do in your life. How big of a worry is that? Right? You get to decide that. Because at the end of the day, okay, you're worried about something. This is you thinking about it. How how often are you really thinking about your worry? Are you really thinking about how you're stressed about your worry? Like, that's something to really think about. Like, at times I'm like, wow, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed about this. I'm so stressed about this. And I get it. Like, it's normal. But how often is our worry really that big? Like, is it really that big? Like, okay, it's not doing good really that big of a deal. It's failing really that big of a deal. Is it really? It's really not. It's really not the end of the world. Failing, messing up, not doing good. It's, it's really not that big of a deal. But how big of a worry you make it in your mind, it's going to drive you every day. You're going to feel petrified. You're going to feel terrified. You're going to feel like you can't go on. You're going to feel like, oh my God, if this just happens to me, I'm going to be like on my deathbed. But is it that big of a deal? We need to learn to proportionize things, kind of give them a little bit of proportion. Because if we don't, we're just going to constantly look at our worries and say, this is a big worry, and this is a big worry, and this is a big worry. But we see in the world what's happening, there's so many greater worries than our minuscule problems. And again, two things can exist at once. You can feel grateful that you're living fine, and you can also feel sad for everything that's going on. But this doesn't mean that in your day-to-day life, you make, you know, the smallest worries so big. Your biggest worries that you're going to fail. And if you fail, then what? Guess what? You'll start over and everything will be fine. Like, at times, it really is that easy. But we've just made things on such a big scale and we've made it so magnified in our head that we don't know how to shrink it. And that's why now every time I come across a worry or something that overwhelms me or a problem, I say to myself, Hera, how big of a deal is this really? Like, I know I have some things that I'm a little bit anxious about that I can't talk about. And I ask myself, I'm like, how big of a deal is this really? How big of a deal is it? You know, I had a friend, story time. This is not even one of my friends. This is just in general in life. I've talked to a lot of girls that have been really, really stressed about just life and, you know, like marriage and just careers and just life, where they're going to head. And then just some things that they felt overwhelmed about, whether that was in a family setting, whether that was in a school setting. They felt really overwhelmed at times dealing with people. And one time in particular, I remember I had a friend. Okay, this friend, she said that she wants to get married, but she didn't find anybody. Like, it wasn't like she found a dude and she was like, well, I have to tell my parents. Um, She just wanted to get married. And she was like, how do I bring up this topic with my parents? Because it's time now, but they haven't brought it up with me. But I want my dad to start looking for me. I want my parents to start seeking. Because, of course, just the market and looking for people now is, it's a voyage. And so... She was like, I want them to know that I'm ready and I want this and moreover, I kind of need to do this now in my life because it's getting harder and harder for me to control myself. And I've had this conversation with a lot of girls and she said that it's really embarrassing and it was hard to talk to her parents about it because, you know, parents usually taunt you and they're like, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do that? And one of the big things that I said to my friend was, okay, so you want to get married, 
and you want to tell your parents that you want to get married whether you found somebody or you didn't find somebody you're just telling them you want to get married or this is on your plate or whatever it might be right whether that's a life decision that you want to make that you want to talk to your parents about or if this is like some really big career choice or whatever like you want to discuss and talk to your parents about or you need your parents approval for it. especially with the context context of marriage i told my friend i said to her you are simply giving your parents their right you're giving them their right as your parents and as a daughter, of course, to have your dad involved in the situation, to have your mom involved in the situation. And at times, that is their test. When you are in a position where it's time for you to make a certain action, you don't control the way that other people are going to handle their test. I have spoken to so many girls that are fully fledged, ready to get married, and their parents don't let them for random reasons, some of them being very, very like stuff going on in their family. But I remember I had a friend and she broke down over this and I was like, but what are you crying about? Theoretically, are you crying because you're going to your dad and you're going to your mom and telling them that, hey, it's time that as my parent, you do this job. I'm telling you that this is what I'm seeking for. And I remember one time I had this shit tell me, he says to me that marriage is your decision. When you decide that you are ready to get married, you get married and you tell your parents, of course, like, look, I'm ready to get married, but this is ultimately your decision. No one can tell you if you're not ready already. And when you decide that, okay, look, I'm going to give my parents their right to be incorporated and they should be. It's your parents' job. It's their job to be scoping out the situation. Your parents should be involved in this matter, especially your dad. They should be involved in this. And when we have created such a barrier where our children are scared to uh, tell us when to do our own job, it's a problem. And I told her that at times um, our parents are growing up too for the first time. They are living their life too for the first time. So when they're really comfortable with just how life is going and with their kids and one of their kids brings up a matter and they're like, this is what I want to do, it's all hell breaks loose, right? But did you really do something wrong Islamically? You just told your parents that, hey, this is your right and I want you to be incorporated now. I want you to be involved. I want you to help me. I want you to kickstart this process for me. I want you to guide me. That's all you did. Did you do anything wrong? You're giving them the right. It's the right. I, I, I know some people that just go about forever and over, like just... Four years, five years, six years straight. Don't tell their parents about anything. It's just in haram relationships, talking to the opposite gender. Or being like, oh yeah, I swear I'm going to marry you. And they don't marry that person. Or they're just hiding it from their family. This is your family's business too. I'm sorry. It's a family business too. You found somebody, then this is family business. You, you have to tell your family. You know what I'm saying? And to just hide it from them, be like, oh, well, you know what? This is just not their business. It is. Especially your dad. It is his business. And Islamically, it's their right. They should know. But at the same time, we need to understand and we need to come to terms with the fact that we can't control how some people do their test. Okay? I another friend. I have a lot of stories on this. I have another friend whose parents were like, no, 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 like, you know, we have this going on, like, we just can't imagine this right now, etc, etc, etc. And she sat down with me and was literally crying her eyes out. And she was like, how, what do I do? Like, I told them, I did my job. I told my parents I want them involved. Why did they act like that? And I said to her, we don't control the way people respond to their tests. And sometimes we have to look at our parents as humans and not our parents. Which is going to lead me to lesson six, I think. Lesson six, when it comes, especially with dealing with your parents, sometimes you have to look at your parents as humans and not as your parents. Sometimes you have to look at them as your friends and not as your parents. Now, I get it that some people might disagree with me on this advice, but let me tell you why. Of course, you should respect your parents and just everyone around you through and through. But sometimes you need to look at your parents and understand that it's their 
first time living life and doing some of the things that you're doing, right? It's their first time experiencing life and doing some of the things that they love too. And I get it that, you know, of course, our parents have sacrificed so much for us. And at the core of it all, our parents sacrifice so much for us. Why? Because they want us to live a better life. And then when we live that better life, they're like, mm? double take. Okay, aren't you living easy? Like, isn't this what you moved here for? <laughs> but anyway, they just get kind of like, oh, mm. some of them just kind of get a little bit touchy about it. They're like, oh, you're not working as hard. I have a friend whose parents said to her that you are under a very, very false perception. If you think that you're going to get your degree and not work and not give us money back. And I remember she, we were sitting down and talking and it was, it was so sad because I've heard from so many girls. I've seen so many girls cry about this. And she was like my entire life. I was on this perception that this degree is just, okay, I'm going to have it under my belt. Not that I have to pay my family back or I have to like work back. And so it causes immense amount of emotional stress to her in her almost last year of college because she came to terms with the fact that her family wasn't just like, oh, you're our daughter. We're getting you a degree because, you know, we want you to be well-educated or we want you to kind of have something going on for you. No, we expect you to pay us back. We expect you to like help us get a home, to help us advance. And I was just like, it blows my mind. And it's so hard to take in. And it's so, it's so difficult but at the same time, we need to understand two things here. One, we're always going to feel indebted, 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 in, indebted. I, I suck at saying this word. We're always going to feel pretty indebted. <laughs> we're always going to feel really indebted to our parents, okay? We're always going to feel like we owe them something. That's not going to go away for the rest of our lives. That was a term that I had to come to as well, okay? For the rest of my life, I can buy my parents the greatest home. I can buy them the nicest cars. I can send them on vacations every two months of my life if I could. I could I could make sure that they never lift a finger again. And even if I did all of that, and inshallah one day I will have the capacity to do all that. Even if I did all of that, I don't think I've paid them back. I can't pay my dad back. I can't pay my mom back. I can't pay them back. And that's the reality that I had to take in. And I think that this is really important because as you grow older, it starts to hit you more that like you're not just a kid anymore. Like you are a grown adult and you have responsibilities, of course. But especially when it comes to parent setting, when you start to see your parents kind of as human individuals, not just these are this is my mom, this is my dad. No, like this this is a human being. And I sometimes I think it's important to look at your family relationships as outsiders. Sometimes I look at my sister Quite a few times I cracked a joke with my sister and I was like, if I wasn't your sister, would you still be my friend? <laughs> like, would we still be friends? And sometimes I look at my parents and I'm like, this lady right here, this is my mom. But who is she? Like, as weird as it sounds, sometimes I look at my mom and I'm like, so this is what she's like. This is what her characteristics are like. I look at my mom sometimes as a friend, as an outsider, like as an adult. Not as I'm her daughter and I'm looking at my mom and this is what I know of her. I like to evaluate people sometimes from the outside as well because we live inside with them so we get so comfortable knowing them and their attributes. But what is this person really like? And same thing with my dad. And I feel like it's really important to do that at times because we, we get so comfortable that we forget that these are human beings too. And sometimes when I look at my mom, I'm not even get, trying to get sappy. I look at her and sometimes I'm like, wow this woman barely has any life experiences. I know it sounds traumatic. I'm trying to make humor out of it. And I, I just think about that. And I'm like, I just think about how like my mom, she's left everything. She left everything to move to the US and she had my older sister and my dad was not even able to meet my older sister until she was like, I think one and they were able to come because of how expensive plane tickets was as my dad was in America. So I think about that. And I'm like, for the first year almost of her life, she raised a baby on her own. She gave birth on her own with her sisters by her side. And then I think about me and I think about when I was born and you know, 
with the things that she had to hear from her family or just other people or just distant families or just other people about having a second daughter. And my mom always says to me, till this very day, alhamdulillah, she says to me that, you know, as a society, whenever we have daughters, we just feel burdened, we feel indebted, but I can say that my daughters did more for me than I think any other son could have. And I always, always value that and I always think about that because I feel like we've given such a value to having a son that we forget that there are so many daughters that are genuinely, you know, could be, inshallah, um, with their parents through and through and also help of course create a family system that can help them all inshallah get to join and just of course we all know the reward of a daughter in islam and so i always think about that and then she had my younger brother and so it's just like i think about the things that she's been through and i think about my mom and i i, I tell my mom this all the time anytime i anytime i go somewhere fun right or like i remember i went to a really beautiful like nature reserve a couple weeks ago it was beautiful. And like the first thing I thought was, oh my God, my mom's gonna love this place. It's her dream place. And so I was taking videos and pictures and I was like, mom, you're gonna love this place. And I came home that day and I was like, mom, I'm gonna take you next weekend. I'm gonna take you there, you're gonna love it. And my mom's like, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. My mom, every time we're like, hey, let's go out here. I was like, I'm busy, I have this at home, work doesn't finish. And like, I always tell my mom, like, mom, nothing's ever gonna finish. Like work is never gonna finish, your home life, all the stress, it's never gonna finish. You need to learn when to wrap it up and hang out and like have fun. And so that's something that I've been working on my mom. Like I look at my mom and I'm like, you have no life experiences. No offense. I love her. Don't get me wrong. And I've said this term multiple times. I'm like, mom, you need to do three things. You need to live. You need to love. You need to laugh. Okay. That's what you need to do. And I, I tell her, I'm like, want me to live, love, laugh. And we're going to make sure that you do that. And the same thing with my dad. Like I, I just look at my dad and I'm just like, dude, you got to learn how to live, love, laugh. And I feel like sometimes I, I feel like I wouldn't have been able to see this if I didn't look at my parents from an outside perspective. If I kept looking at them as this is my daughter, as, as this is my mom and I'm their daughter, like, I just feel like it would have been a constant relationship of just, okay, that's my mom, that's my mom. No, but, like, who are they? And I feel like that's why it's so important also to take this into account, coming back to what I said originally, we can't control how people answer to certain tests. There are certain tests that might feel like they're a test for you, but they're really a test for your parents. And you can make du'a and hope that your parents respond correctly. But if your parents don't respond correctly to that test, this is not something you can control. And I understand that I feel like this is how I see it. Um, especially as a daughter, this is how I see it. I've spoken to a lot of girls, like I said, that have the same issue. When you decide that this is time that you want to get married or you want to do something, you want to pursue something big in your life, you want this whole new situation going on, whatever you have going on in your life, there's a thing that you want to talk to your parents about and you know that they have a say and a right in this and you know they have a responsibility in this. Your job, your test is to tell them. Their test is how they're going to respond. And that's how it is with a lot of relationships. In some relationships where things are very contingent, right? relationship between your mom and your dad or even with a sensitive friend whatever it might be sometimes our job is to tell we don't control how people are going to react and i remember one time i heard in a khutbah where the sheikh said your fear of how someone's going to react shouldn't stop you from doing what's right and that's very true and that goes for anything that's going on in the world right now our fear on how people are going to react about us speaking up about you know injustice that's happening or our fear on how our parents are going to react when we tell them something that we want to do that we know is inherently islamically right shouldn't stop us from telling them their test is how they're going to respond i don't control how my parents are going to respond there's no way that i can package an information and tell them 
on how I think they're going to respond better. Of course, I can try. I can try to bring it up in a way that maybe hopefully they'll understand. I can only use my words to make them understand. It's Allah that opens up their heart. I don't get to control the way that my parents react to things. I don't get to control the way that my parents respond to things. That's their test. And if when you start to understand that, you start to kind of kind of create a healthy barrier. You understand that, look, this is what's in my hands. This is my test. My test at times for daughters, it's talking to our dad about something. It's talking to our mom about something. And if you're a daughter, you know how hard it is sometimes to bring up certain topics. People make it seem like it's all a bag of chips and easy. Or they're like, oh yeah, we know it's hard being a daughter. No, but do you really know how hard it is? Do you really know how hard it is? Especially when there's so much different level of pressure on you. Do you really know how hard it is? Only the girls I feel like could understand that. And so sometimes our test is just telling them. We don't control the way they respond. And if they respond in a way that's not good, then this is their test. And we tell them that this was your test. I don't control the way that you respond. And that's something that I always try to make sure to tell people before I say, like, look, we're both in this test. I know that whatever I'm about to say is not easy. I know that what I'm going to say is hard. My test is me coming here, trying my best to tell you, despite how scared I feel, and I have fear in me, but I'm telling you, your test is how you choose to respond. And that can happen in any relationship. That can happen in a husband and wife relationship. You guys get married. There's a conflict. Sometimes, you know, you coming forth, being the one that apologizes, that's your test. That's your job. Put down that ego. Come and apologize. How the other person responds, that's their test. We don't control the way people react to tests. The only thing you can control is how you do things. And this is really important when it comes to a family setting. And you need to at times step back and look at the people around you as actual individuals, not just the relationship you have with them. Sometimes the relationship you have, you have with people is bad, but the person's good. And sometimes the relationship you have with someone is good, but the person's not necessarily good. And that's something you need to think about. We don't control the way that people react. We don't. We don't control the way that people react to tests. At times, you're going to face a lot of hardship because people don't, re don't respond or react to their test, their portion correctly. And it's going to hurt. And, it's, and you're going to go through some suffering. It's not going to be easy. But that's exactly why Allah, of course, judges us and weighs us accordingly to what we've done. This kind of ties up with my next lesson, which I one time posted about on Instagram, where it was a quote that said, The fear of something happening is oftentimes more powerful than it even happening. And this is really important to remember in life. A lot of times when you're really pressurized, really worried about something, you put a lot of negative connotation, a lot of negative thoughts about it. About, you know, what if this doesn't work out? What if this fails? What if I don't do good? But you're putting so much energy towards it. How likely is it that you're actually going to fail? How likely is it that you're actually going to do bad? Like so many times, things are going to go okay. It's just us who make this whole drama, this whole worry in our head that it's not. I talked about that one a good bit though and some of the other ones. So I'm going to move on to my next one, which says that you shouldn't feel guilty for moving on from things that don't serve you anymore. So I know that at times, like you might find it harder and harder every day to move on from things that don't serve you. You feel guilty. You feel indebted. You feel like, you know, you have to constantly remind yourself that, you know, this happened or I feel guilty letting go. Why? Why is it me? You feel guilty about moving on, but you need to remind yourself that once Allah SWT has closed a chapter, it isn't your responsibility to go back and reread it. Right, you need to understand that you can you can need time from a lot of people and a lot of things and that's okay. So you shouldn't feel guilty. You should give yourself that time. You need to balance between your emotions and your mind. That balance is a really hard one. But if you constantly allow yourself to feel guilty and feel like you have to stay here, you're not gonna perform or be your best in that relationship, whatever it might be. And a lot of times really the challenge isn't even letting go. It's just the guilt that you might feel letting go. But you know what you need to do. And sometimes you know better than anybody. You just don't want to do it because you feel bad about it. And that's something really important to think about.
And at times, you know, another thing that I really learned was that sometimes a challenge is not what you have to do or what you think you should be doing. Sometimes a challenge is not doing anything at all, right? I remember I talked to somebody who constantly had emotions about reaching out to somebody that was really toxic and not good for them. Like, I'm, I mean, beyond toxic. Like, this was one of the worst situations I've heard in my life. I'm talking the nine yards, cheating, depression, like, literally almost ruined this person's life, um, suicidal and all. Um, so I remember this one person in particular always had these tendencies to reach out to this one person. And I always told that person, you know, sometimes you feel like the easiest thing to do is to do an action, to do something, to reach out, to text, to check in, um, to go here, to go there, to do something. But sometimes you should do the harder thing, which is do nothing. Sometimes doing nothing is more than doing something. It shows you more too. Not every single emotion or every single feeling deserves a reaction or even deserves an action. Sometimes you just got to sit still. And when you actually try to sit still, you just so hard. In the last couple of months, I have had so many emotions where I was like, oh my God, why don't I just get up and do this? I hate feeling like this. I want to do something about this. And I tried and I, I would be thinking about it. And I'm like, hold on. It's so easy to be impulsive. It's not easy to sit down and be like, hold on, be patient. Think this through, be rational. And usually when you think it through, be rational, you're like, hold on, maybe it's better right now for me to do nothing. And that's okay. There's some situations that require you to do nothing. And that's really hard. Doing nothing is really hard sometimes. But sometimes that's what you should do. I talked to somebody today that struggled in a haram relationship. And she was like, it's so hard because every bit of my heart is like, just reach out to him. Just text him. You know, just rekindle everything. And I'm like, but you're going to do the harder thing, which is doing nothing. Because you know that you're better off right now doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. I have so many more lessons that I can share with you guys. My notepad list is just ongoing. So I'm inshallah going to try my best to make a part two for this episode because I have no idea how long this might be. I think it's at least an hour or maybe more. So I have so many more inshallah that I'm going to make. So inshallah, I will make a part two to this episode. I know that some of these were like really random and then some of them were super deep and some of them were like what's going on. But that's life, you know, life is sometimes just like what's going on, you know, you never know what's going on in life completely. So these were just a few of the lessons that I could share. They're a little bit light, nothing too crazy. I got a lot more inshallah that I will film a part two for that I even typed out stuff for. So inshallah, I will do that as soon as possible. I had a hard time recording recently, like consistently. So I'm working on that. It's just been a little bit tight and busy for me, as y'all can tell. But take care of yourself. Have a great rest of your day. Hold on, no go yet. Just wait, just wait, just wait. I have an idea. What's up? So I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. But on my Instagram broadcast channel, I do this thing called mini messages where I send like mini voice notes almost like every other day or so. Yeah, shameless promo. Go join. Okay, bye. You can leave now. Take care of yourself. Assalamu alaikum.